All right. What are we? Let's see. It's Monday. Happy Monday to everyone. Welcome. Hope you're having a fantastic day. And boy, do we have an exciting episode for you today. So with that, I'm going to click this, kick this off. Welcome to a muzzled chat. So today we have an amazing man, a patriot. Uh, I love how he was talking freedom, family, faith, and he's a former FBI agent and military vet that is no longer residing in the Americas. And I'd love to dive into a conversation with him as to why that is. So with that being said, David, welcome. James, thank you so much. And to the audience, God bless America. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. We are super excited to have you here today and dive into your story a bit. Um, sure. Yeah. Let, let me go. Let's, uh, yes, let's take off. So I've got a, so to the American audience, thanks for joining, maybe even viewers from around the world. Uh, I've already been censored on YouTube, so now this is probably going to be shown on, on other channels. So yes. there's a lot to say. Let me get to the point really quick. Um, a little bit about me, I should say. So I graduated West Point United States Military Academy. My name is David Baumblatt, born and raised in New York. In 2004, I entered the FBI as a special agent in the National Security Branch working foreign counterintelligence. I left the FBI in 2007 because I consider the FBI incompetent, immoral, and corrupt. Mm. You can tell I don't have a good attitude with the FBI. The key question, I could go on and on with so many topics about America, how we're going to go to civil war and whatever. But there's a key question that I'd like to propose to the American public that is just absolutely ridiculous. Obviously, I'm not currently in America. And that is, I'm an American veteran. I'm an American citizen, military veteran. And the question is, is why am I not welcome to return to America? Wow. And that question is going to sound so so ridiculous to, to you, so many question marks, and I'm going to explain exactly why. Wow. Before I do, I want you to know that everything I'm about to tell you has been recorded and has been submitted to every single congressman and senator, obviously to the FBI, also to the inspector general of the uh, Department of Justice. I've been ignored by everyone. So this is not something new. In fact, I've written a book about this if you want to read it. So whatever, everything I'm telling you has been recorded, submitted to our government, and our government, which I think is absolutely corrupt. These people are just trash. I don't know why we pay our tax money to, but if our government did the job and responded to me, never would have done this. Never wanted to be public, never wanted to write a book, never wanted to go on social media. They would have done their job and, and wrangled in the corrupt FBI, I wouldn't be here. So wow. let me break down this story really quick. So again, I'm not welcome in America. Our government knows about this and they've ignored me. So I want to ask you this question. If this happened to you in a foreign country, would you consider yourself welcome? If you went to a country and you were detained, you were searched, you were interrogated, you were covertly spied upon, you were deceived, you were humiliated, and you were physically assaulted. That's probably not a country that you would go to again, let alone your own country that you served as a military veteran. Let me break down this story. And again, to the American people, this is all documented, recorded, formally submitted to our government. Uh, initially, it was in January of 2022 that I, I did the initial allegations of the government, completely ignored. 
Let me break down this story. There's a lot to talk about to the American people. What's happening to me, it's happening to you or will happen to you. I'll explain further. Okay, here's a date. August 2019, I am on a flight from Taiwan to Chicago, uh, to the Chicago O'Hare International Airport. I say again, August 2019. On the flight, it's a pretty good assumption. Most of the people on there were foreigners, probably Taiwanese or whatnot. We land at the Chicago International Airport. We go through customs, and all of the foreigners, they are released into America to do who knows what. Me, as an American citizen, I get selected for what's called secondary screening. We're about four uniformed Customs and Border Patrol. These would be ICE, uh, Department of Homeland Security. They select me for what's called secondary screening. This is the first detainment. I am detained. I immediately pull out my mobile phone to begin recording. They, they put their hand up on my phone and say, you're not allowed to record this, which is against the law you are. This is, again, we're in the airport. Right. I am told to surrender all my digital devices and to give them the passwords to the digital devices. Otherwise, they'll be permanently confiscated. I give them the password, they open it up, and then they take my devices to a room in the back where I ask, can I accompany them with my devices? They said no. So my devices are taken in the back room. All my stuff is, is, is uh, you know, stripped down. I mean, the, the, my bags are open. Every single dollar is counted dollar for dollar. Notebooks are open. And the interrogation begins. We want to know what you're doing overseas. Who are your contacts? What's your view of the American government? Are you anti-American government? Hmm. Some of these questions are actually ridiculous. That you know, I don't. I don't think many people get you know asked the question of you know what are your political views or are you anti-American? Are you advocating violence to the American government? So, well, my first legal That's advice to any American is if the police talk with you, don't talk with them. They're not your friends. Trust me, I'm former FBI. Right. These people are trash bags. literally trash bags. The problem with law enforcement, and this has happened twice, again, this is my first attainment, is when you exercise your constitutional right to remain silent, instead of law enforcement respecting that right to remain silent, they assume that you're guilty, that you're avoiding it, and what do they do? They pressure you. Why aren't you talking? What do you have to hide? That is, again, unconstitutional. As soon as you tell a law enforcement person you have no comment to make and and you want to remain silent, they should immediately honor that request, and there should be no assumptions of guilt or not. This didn't happen. Continue to ask questions and questions. I then proceeded to wait. It was literally three hours to finally get my stuff back because, again, my digital equipment's in the back room. I have no clue what's happening to it. I'm waiting in the airport over three hours now. They've, they've By now, they've gone through all my stuff, every single stuff. They've tried to interrogate me as much as they can, and I've said, no more questions. I'm done with it. I finally get my digital equipment back, and I'm now free to go. That's the key word, free to go, because I was detained. So hmm. now I'm in Chicago. Hmm. I don't want to make a lot of stories, but it's crazy. What was I doing in Chicago? Again, I didn't tell this to the law enforcement people. It's none of their business. Right. But I'm on Rumble because I'm censored on YouTube. If you go to my video number two on Rumble, it shows of me working for the Boeing Corporation in China. That right there should make you wonder, what is the Boeing company, the military industrial complex doing in China? Well, I was suing Boeing 
And Boeing, they're headquartered in Seattle, but they're registered in Chicago. That's where they're registered. I was suing Boeing, and I was there to do a deposition against the Boeing legal team. That was where I was there. And again, it makes you wonder, what the hell is Boeing doing in China? Go to my episode two in Rumble. I can't even make up. If you think this story's crazy, watch episode two on Rumble. It is crazy what's happening. So there I am. I am now in the city of Chicago. It's a short chip trip. I'm only there for like a couple of days. Again, I'm just going to do my deposition with the legal team and I'm gone. I'm in the city of Chicago and we all have a sixth sense. We all have intuition. And I knew I am under surveillance. Obviously, in the FBI, there's covert and there's overt surveillance. This is not overt surveillance. This is covert, meaning I don't know about it, but I just could tell. I'm like, I'm under surveillance. I decide to walk to what's called Grant Park. This is in Chicago. I walk to Grant Park. Again, to the American audience, everything I'm telling you is documented. Your congressmen and senators, who half of them should be fired, they have this information. And they haven't talked to me, even though they care about military veterans. Again, everything I'm telling you is documented, submitted to the politicians and to the FBI inspector general of the DOJ. So I'm in the park, and I see a man. I described this man, again, in my report to, uh, to the politicians. He's about 30 to 33 years old. He's a white guy. He's wearing khaki shorts, a blue polo shirt, cropped hair. And he's about, um, I'd say, about 30 to 40 meters away from me, and he is surreptitiously spying on me. Now, to the American people, in the intelligence world, we use the term surveillance, but what it, what re, what is surveillance really? It's stalking. I'm being stalked. Again, Not that this, being stalked is not exactly a good feeling. You don't feel welcome, and you don't feel safe and comfortable. This person is surreptitiously spying on me, taking pictures of me, all covertly, not out in the open. And again, at that point in time, I'm still debating. I said, this person is spying on me, but they're not doing overtly. I should also say, I was 100% convinced that this person is an FBI employee. He's either one or two. He's either an FBI agent or in the FBI, we, we have what's called surveillance operatives. So he's either a surveillance operative or an agent, either way, an FBI employee. I make this known because... So I'm up against law enforcement in my mind. So you have to watch how you act and what you do, especially the FBI. So this person was surreptitiously looking at me, taking pictures of me. He thinks he's not, you could say, burned at this time. I then proceed to face in a direction, and it was about 100 meters. It may have even been 200 meters. I go on a deadbolt run. I run for it. Now I'm in the park. And again, I'm, I'm not from Chicago. I'm from New York. So I don't really remember the, 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 the alleys. I'm going left. I'm going right. I'm going here and there. And I come up to an L-shaped dead end. As soon as I hit that dead end, sort of like a military person, man, I did a blunt stop and an about face immediately. So I go 180 degrees and I look behind me or my, my rear. And who do I see? I see this same exact gentleman in a full sprint. As soon as he turns the corner and he sees me, our distance, I'd say it's about 30 meters. So he turns the corner and he sees me and he goes from a full sprint to a quick jog uh, uh, walk and he's shot. His eyes are like, even at that distance, I could see his facial expressions. He is absolutely shocked. 
to anyone knows, and, and, and you know, in the line of work in the espionage, the FBI and the CIA, we play with each other cat and mouse. We train them, they train us. They mm. in, in America. So, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll try to surveil them, we'll we'll get them and they'll try to evade. So the point being is is this person has now been burnt. This is not good for his career, and this is not good in many ways. This is not how it works, you know, meaning meaning so he's not only surprised, he's pissed off. In fact, I have no doubt that what I'm about to tell you, he didn't write in his report. Because mm. when you're on a surveillance, you write your report, you give it to hire the subject. I was the target. And what I'm about to tell you, he didn't write to the point that he was burned. Because as anyone can imagine, when you're burned, it's also not very good for your career. So now here's, here's the story. We're about 30 meters apart. I am now just standing looking at him. He's walking to me. And because he sees me, we, we our facial expressions are basically to the point of I got you. I know you're now. Now I know you're you're following me. He's walking to me now pissed off. He's not quite sure what to do, because even in the bureau, we don't really train for what you know, what ha this this is not a normal occurrence in the FBI. So even he I guarantee he was thinking, what the hell do I do now? He's walking to me pissed off more and more. At this point in time, like I said, I'm 100% guarantee he's an FBI uh, employee. You do not want to get in any physical confrontation, let alone with law enforcement, let alone with the FBI. So I assumed, and this actually was to my, to my disadvantage, I assumed a very, very neutral stance, not a fighting stance, not a basketball-like prepared stance, just very, very neutral because we all know law enforcement in America is horrible. I don't back the blue, by the way. I don't want those people who back the blue, you back the blue and you get until you get crushed by the blue. So the point is, is law enforcement has a horrible uh, uh, practice where instead of de-escalating the situation, they escalate it. We've seen this all right. before. I've done training in the FBI. It's just it's horrible leadership. So I thought my way to de-escalate the situation was to keep myself not in a fighting stance, in a very neutral stance. Again, I paid the price for this. My left arm was totally down by my side, and I decided to take my right arm, sort of like this, in a shaking motion, just like you're out there, like you're shaking someone's hand in a 90-degree perpendicular. Left arm's by my side. I'm in a totally just a neutral uh, stance loose, and my, and my right arm is, is cocked like I'm about to shake his hand, just like, just like you could see like this. When he gets to about three meters away, this is the deception to the American public. Uh, to the American public, when I was deceived, I asked him my first question. The question is, "Are you following me?" And I asked that very targeted, very strong. Again, he's about three meters. He's walking toward me, and you could tell he's pissed off. I said, "Are you following me?" He responds back, pissed off. No, it's an obvious lie. We all. It, I, it was the worst, worst uh, excuse to make a lie. At that point in time, he grabs my hand. He tries to crush my hand as best he could. And I immediately asked the second question. And I said, now we're really close. Again, we're shaking hands. I said, you wouldn't lie to me, would you? At that point in time, he's like, no. He rotates his, his, his arm and my arm together. Again, we're shaking to where his elbow hits me in my solar plex. His shoulder hits me in my chest so hard that we spun around to now we are 180 degrees wow. in, 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 uh, in, in, in the direction. So he is now 
in the dead end, and I am now where he came from. He stumbles over. I'm stumbled over to get my footing. And when I get up, or when, when I, when I, because uh, I almost fell, fell to the ground, when I, when I stand up, we're now, it's hard to estimate two, maybe three meters apart because the grip broke. Once he did the strike, the, hand ship, uh, the handshake grip broke, broke apart. Now we're about two to three meters apart. Again, I'm 100% convinced this person's FBI law enforcement. I do not want to get in a physical encounter with them. It was the most surreal and awkward moment that me and him are literally staring each other. What could have been as short as three seconds, it could have been as long as 10 seconds. It, it was the most surreal environment. I can't say how long it was. I'm just gonna say three to 10 seconds. At that point, the only thing I could think about doing is summoning my command, my military command voice, and my knife hand, and I said, stop following me. As soon as I gave him that command, and it was a command voice and a command order, stop following me. I turned around, and now I'm facing the original direction where I came in, and I run for it again. Now I'm running. However, this time when I ran, he was only like two to three meters behind me, so we were kind of close. As soon as I start running corners, I turn around. He's right there chasing me full. He's only about 10 meters behind me. This time, though, I could see because he was closer behind me, unlike the last time. Because the last time I ran, I never looked behind me. This time I was. I was looking behind me. He's shouting in his phone or some other uh, device, and he's shouting directions of where I'm going. Wow. I'm dead. Again, I'm literally in the city of Chicago. I then proceed to cross the streets when the when the light is red. Oncoming vehicles again. You put my life in danger. Going through literally the main streets of in the city of Chicago. Going through cars. I do about escape and maneuvers, escape and evade for over an hour until I find a spot where I think I'm safe and I realize I'm literally being hunted in my own country. This again to the American people. This is not a feeling you're welcome. Then we go to the last part. And I, I say to the American people, if this happens to you, I think you would think, again, this is not welcome. It is now time for me to leave Chicago. I do the deposition. So once I did the escape and evade, I did not see any more, you could say, FBI after that, at least what I know of. I do the deposition. I think it was the next day. I go back to the same airport, Chicago International O'Hare. I'm flying back to Taiwan. Everything seems normal. Ticket counter, I go through customs, because again, it's an international airport. I go through customs, and I'm now waiting in the uh, in the in the gate, you know, where you wait in the gate where there's all these chairs around and there's a ticket ticket counter where the where the flight attendants like, you know, we will be we'll begin boarding in an hour, you know. So I'm at the gate and there's I don't know, there there had to be like a hundred plus passengers. Again, it's a major international flight, all the passengers there waiting. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this comes the humiliation part, and again, some more interrogation and detainment. Mm. The flight attendant calls. She's like, our flight will begin boarding now. Everyone stands up. Everyone's taken a, a trip before, and you, you, know, you hand your ticket in, and now you're literally in a line where you're boarding the plane. So, you know, every airport's a little different. This one was, there was like one corridor, and then at the other corridor, it goes right into the plane and you know there's that oval door at the plane and the stewardess is standing in the door 
As soon as I go down one uh, passageway, again, I'm in the line with all the other passengers. There are two uniform Customs and Border Patrol agents in uniform. They're inspecting everyone's passport. This is unusual. Normally, it's not done like this. Now, it's, you know, you just board the plane. We've already been through Customs. Normally, you should just board the plane. But there's two uniform Customs agents, and they want everyone's passport. They come to me. My passport. They scan it. Mr. Baumblatt, we have to talk to you. Can you please step aside? Now, to ladies and gentlemen, there wasn't really stepping aside. It was like literally two to three feet. So all these passengers that are getting on the plane, they see everything that what I'm about to tell you right now, they see everything. I'm only like two feet away from them. The first order is, Mr. Baumblatt, we have to go through all your stuff. You know, I got a backpack. You know, everyone's got carry-on luggage. And I was like, well, where do you want me to put this stuff? I mean, we're literally just just in a in a passageway. There's no, you know, there's no desks, there's no cables, there's no chairs or not. And they're like, just sit on the ground. I literally, they tell me to sit on the ground and they say, because we need to take off your shoes. They take off my shoes. They take out the soles of my shoes. They take wow. out the laces of my shoes. They go through everything. Hmm. I mean, my stuff, they take. Then they stand me up. They pat me down in my crotch area. I'm even, I'm even yelling at them now, like, what are you looking for? Right. This is being seen by all the passengers. It looks like 100% I'm about to be arrested. Like, yeah, I'm a drug dealer. I'm a terrorist. This is not normal. And it's only happened to me. Everyone else, you know, they go on. So this goes on. on. Just to show you how intensive this search is, like all of us, we probably have a notebook in our, in our bag. And in the notebook, you make notes or whatever. They're taking pictures of every single page, page, picture, page, picture. Then it came to be some telephone numbers. And the guy asked me, they, who's, who, this, is the, this is the Customs and Border Patrol. There were two of them. No who explanation. No explanation. Yeah, exactly. Unbelievable. Exactly. So I look at them and I say, uh, oh, and that's what I asked him too. And before, just like this time and just like my first attainment, why are you detaining yes. me? What is the reason? Yes. Nothing. Wow. Now, to the American people, I don't want to uh, get this. I don't want to forget the story so much, but I was able to do a Freedom of Information Act request. Now, you're not going to get anything on the FBI. However, this is this is the Department of Homeland Security. I was able to get four. So this is documented. So when I when I submit it to the politician, they have it. So they have information that I was officially detained into and out of the Chicago International Airport, um, DHS, a lot of it's, uh, uh, what is it, redacted. A lot of information's redacted, like my digital equipment going in the back room. But there's more to it. Because I said, they. so it's officially recorded that I was detained going in and out searched. But again, what was the reason? And on the FOIA request from the Department of Homeland Security, they said, if this has anything to do with national security, we are not obligated to tell you the reason why. Meaning it's national security. That that's basically what they're what they're wow, trying to do. What a so, load. Yeah, so you're not gonna get anything from the FBI. But the only uh Freedom of Information Act request that I was able to get was DHS, uh the entry and exit of the airports. A lot of it's redacted information, you know, they're not showing us. And again, they specifically say uh, we, they, cause I said, what was the reason? And they said, we're not able to tell you the reason. And there's like, there's like, uh, because of category A, B, C. And one of the categories is if this relates to national security, which it does. And I'll explain, we're not obligated to tell you any more information. Mm. 
just to show you the search on there. So they go through my book and they see a phone number and the customs and border agent asked me, who does this phone number belong to? I said, none of your business. He pulls out his cell phone and says, well, we could find out right now. I look at because I remember this. I said, you know, I'm a military veteran. I said, why, why are you doing this? It, it, it is so I'm telling you, I have so much anger to the America. I'd smash their fucking faces. I, I literally <laughs> oh, if you understand my whole story right now, how these people do this, I'm telling you, a, a civil war is coming. So it got so bad. The plane is all the plane is boarded, totally boarded. And the stewardess in that, you know, the door at the, at the airplane, you know, that little oval door that goes in. She's got straight line view of what's happening to me. I'm only about 10 meters away. Mm. And she's been motioning to the Customs Border Patrol like, hey, what's going on? We got to go. Is he going to get arrested or is he on or is off? Because they're waiting on me. Finally, the, again, this is also the intimidation. They're like, why don't you give us more information? If you miss your flight, you miss your flight. We don't care. We'll, uh, we'll uh, escalate this to higher. I mean, it, it was the most... The ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Finally, the stewardess says, listen, final boarding call. Either he comes on now and we go, otherwise we got to close the door. They finally looked at me almost like pissed off, disappointed. And to the American people, don't fool yourself. Law enforcement, FBI, they always, they all have these performance metrics. And I'll explain it later, whereas they, they want to make a case. And so if they don't find the evidence or they don't find whatever they then they're they're you know they're they're pissed off, they're angry. It's almost like they want to arrest people and, and they'll make up stuff. So they're looking mm. at me all angry and pissed off because they, they didn't find there's no, there's no evidence. Even in this entire investigation against me, there's zero evidence. We'll talk about it. So wow. finally they look at me and they said, fine, you could go. I'm thinking in my mind, don't worry, I'm not gonna come back you know, to America. This is the way you treat me. I literally get on the stewardess. She doesn't grab my arm, but she's like, let's go. I'm taking your seat now because we got to go. All the people seated, they see me. I mean, I'm six foot five. They know. He's like, oh, that's that six foot five white guy who hey, he should have been arrested by now. Isn't he some terrorist or drug dealer? You know, as I'm walking to my seat, everyone's looking at me. And she's like, we got to get you to your seat because as soon as I got on my seat buckled in, boom. I mean, we, we're off. Meaning the whole flight was waiting on me. So wow. I tell that story to the American people, and there's a lot more to this story. But right. you ask yourself, in my country, detained, searched, interrogated, deceived, humiliated, covertly spied on, physically assaulted, and then every single congressman and senator is ignoring me. What type of country is this anymore? Right. I'll tell you, this country, my patriotism toward this government is done. The thought that I, I'm a military veteran and I would have went to war to die— for this government, let this government collapse. So, James, that's wow. kind of like the nut. Now, there's a lot more to this story, and yeah. I can explain a lot more. But that story right now to the American people, if they're doing this to me, an American citizen, military veteran, what do you think they're going to do to you? It's yes. going to get worse. It's going to get bad. Holy smokes. I mean, there's so much to unpack there. I mean— it's oh. unbelievable. And in fact, I could tell you so much more. Yeah. The American people, yeah. I, I want you to know I am very different than these FBI whistleblowers now. Again, I'm censored on YouTube. Why am I not getting interviewed? And I invite you to go to my Rumble channel. I made 40 videos to explain this. It Perfect. all makes sense. Yes. I'm going to explain why I am different than the whistleblowers now. When I was in the FBI from 2004 to 2007, one of the reasons I'm different than the whistleblowers is I quit, meaning 
a lot of them they're suspended with pay and, and god bless them they're doing they're doing god's work i have nothing but when you quit an organization i i didn't want anything to do with them however when i was in the fbi i made allegations of misconduct to the fbi management and then in 2007 i wrote a formal document of 10 pages and i sent it to Senator Chuck Grassley, mm. the same Chuck Grassley that I've been sending, and he's ignored me. So mm. I've got to explain to the American people, because I'm telling you, a lot of people, they don't understand how this mechanism works in America. Right. And and this, this example in the FBI can sort of unravel the bigger picture. First of all, don't fool yourself. The American people, my background is leadership. That's what West Point is all about. West Point yes. is about leadership. That's what I've done my entire life. And mm. the FBI doesn't recruit on leadership. It is horrible, mm. horrible in terms of leadership. It's been infiltrated. It's no secret. Oh, my God. I, I cannot I cannot tell you. It's weird, though. I actually got along better with the older FBI agents, the guys in the Vietnam. Uh, you know, the older agents, they were like Vietnam vets. But you got to remember— American men are changing. American men are becoming more feminine, yep. more liberal. And if you get feminine men in America, where does West Point, FBI, CIA, where do they recruit from? The same men? You know, so if American men just become weak and feminine, remember, weak men in positions of power are immoral. Hmm. Immoral. And I tell I write this in the book. You, it's one thing to be a weak man, but he's just you're like your next door neighbor and he's a, you know, he's a good guy. You know, some guys are weak, but they're good guys. But if they're in positions of power, and I'm telling right. you, the FBI, pound for pound, the most powerful agency in America, government mm. agent, the most powerful. When you have weak men in power, they will do immoral activities. They will do immoral conduct. And I'm telling you, I've seen it. It's very dangerous, but let's unravel and say, why am I not getting the airtime that other FBI whistleblowers are? Here's one of the reasons. And like I'm telling you, what I'm about to tell you now, I wouldn't even be surprised if your audience members, 50%, mm -hmm. during that time would have agreed with the FBI. Remember the COVID vaccine right. during COVID? Everyone, right. When everyone's, it's the same thing with Israel. And I'm a proud Jew. I am an absolutely proud Jew. What's going on with this Israel about us sending money and stuff? Right. Fear. Once fear gets yes. in our heads, mm -hmm. we just do. So think about it. We had 9-11. That's fear. COVID. Right. That's fear. Yes. And you can almost say the Israeli 9-11 is now giving us fear. Now, you know, we got to throw the kitchen sink in to help Israel. But fear. I'm about to tell you something. I'm telling you, a lot of your audience members, if we went back in time, they would have probably agreed with the FBI. Here we go. First. I'm different than the other FBI whistleblowers. I joined the FBI much before them, meaning my FBI classmates now are senior management. I joined in 2004. Wow. When I joined, it was the war on terror. You remember 9-11, yep. the war on terror. All these FBI whistleblowers, it's happening now. I predicted this because after 9-11, the FBI changed into this monster of an intelligence agency. So this is what I whistleblower, and Senator Chuck Grassley has this. We're going to make it really simple. When I was in the FBI, and again, I could go into the FISA. When I talk about spying, I'm only referring to U.S. citizens. I spied in the FBI on foreign nationals. Right. I have a different morality. 
and a different legality. I'm only referring to U.S. citizens. In the FBI, during my time, the FBI was unconstitutionally spying on targeting Muslim Americans. Mm. Now, if anyone knows me, I'm not a, a, a champion for Islam. I've always said America is Judeo-Christian, so don't even think I'm some Islam you know, champion. The point being is they are American citizens. And sure, they're Muslim, maybe they're Buddhist, maybe they're Hindu, but they are American citizens. And you, they should not have been targeting. But to all these American citizens now who think, oh, uh, yeah, that's really bad. Go back to 2004, War on Terror, hmm. Patriot Act. It's good, man. Come on, David, you're not a patriot. We're at war. You can't trust these Muslims. And I said, we're spying on Muslims now, but what will we spy on tomorrow? Catholics and Christians. Right. Isn't it happening? I'm right. telling you, this is what I did. Now, there were other things, too, where you've got to understand. And so to make a long story short, I could go into this. When I submitted the formal allegation to Chuck Grassley, and this is part of the reason why the FBI is spying on me, the document was broken up into 50-50. 50% I talked about the, the, the whistleblower, the illegal and immoral activity. The other percent. I just bashed FBI management. I said, these are the most horrible leaders I've ever seen. Mm. And they got this document. This is a little bit of the revenge. So this the is what really is triggered this. a lot of <laughs> them surveying and, and coming after you. I cannot tell you to the American people, you do not understand how vengeful, how personal the FBI is. First of all, too, the, the FBI would love to say that I was fired, wasn't fired, meaning when you quit the FBI, I don't know, to make kind of a joke, you, you see like these these stories about the girlfriend and the boyfriend breaking up and the boyfriend says, no, I broke up with you. And the oh, girlfriend right, says, no, right. I broke up with you. It's like, it's very immature. Yeah. Trust me, nobody quits the FBI. That's why I'm, I'm different than the other whistleblowers. They didn't want to quit, which is fine. They wanted to stay in the FBI because the FBI is, it, it is a good job. I quit. And it, and when you quit the FBI, it's sort of, it's sort of like, you're dissing them. And normal mm. people would say, oh, come on. They're not, they, they're not going to take it that personal. Yes. Yes. Mm. You have no clue how this is. But this is what Senator Grassley did. I know he did this. Because when I wrote that letter in 2007, I didn't get a lawyer. I didn't know the, the, you know, the, the, the technical, the legal things of being a whistleblower. I just wrote a letter. It was, it was um, uh, notarized. It was, uh, it was uh, whatchamacallit. When you send it, when you send it by mail, certified it was, uh, mail, safeguard in the mail. I don't know what. So, and that's it. So, part of it, I remember, I never wrote confidentiality. Like, I never wrote in the letter, like Senator Grassley, this can only be between me and you. I just never thought about it. It was addressed to Senator Grassley. This is what Senator Grassley did. I'm telling you, people, this is why I predicted this. And you've got to see the big picture. First of all, remember, it's 2007 when I left the bureau. War on Terror, Patriot Act. You know, we're at war, man. So, you know, freedoms, who cares about freedoms? You know, we're at war. Mm. When I told Senator Grassley on who was getting spied upon, here's the difference. And you've got to understand this because I tell you, I am not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm a nationalist. And there's a difference. Mm. When I sent that to Senator Grassley during my time in the FBI, I actually never witnessed any targeting of Republican or Democrats. 
I, maybe it happened. I don't know. I never witnessed it. And I, or even like if you're a liberal or a conservative, I just never witness it. But I'll tell you, if you're a Muslim, you're screwed, man. If you're an American citizen, well, you're done. So mm. here's the point. I'm telling you, these Republicans are scumbags. And if they're not, why didn't they answer me? Right. Senator Grassley gets that letter and says, okay, what do we have here? Spying on American citizens. They don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. Now, though, the whistleblowers, who's getting spied upon? The Republicans. Mm. The Republican Party and the Democrat Party, they are mafias. They are mafias. They fight over the pie, but as long as they could keep the pie, they're fine. They don't care about us. Now, though, the FBI, they're spying on Republicans. So if I would have said that to Senator Grassley, he's like, wait a minute, spying on American citizens, I don't care. Trust me, the American people, they don't care about you. The Republicans don't care about you either. Remember Trump? Trump, and I'll talk about him. Remember this word like Republican and rhino, Republican? Mm -hmm. Trust me, Trump was not very popular with the Republicans in the beginning. In fact, I could go into a lot of Americans didn't like Trump in the beginning. And now people are starting to realize that, oh, yeah, maybe Trump is right. So don't fool yourself. These Republicans suck. I yeah. fire them. So well, my my allegation to Senator Chuck Grassley, I reported no spying targeted on Republicans or conservatives. Again, I was in 2004 to 2007. I just didn't see it. I saw spying on U.S. citizens for other reasons, but again, U.S. citizens. So hmm. here's here it's common sense, people. Now. The FBI is targeting conservatives, Republicans, this. Now the Republicans are pissed because now they're party. So now it's a big deal. But number two, the problem that's happening with me is, and this is kind of, I'm looking at the big picture. I don't like to consider myself an FBI whistleblower. I mean, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I'm bigger than that. I think these FBI guys are overrated. I'd fire half of these FBI, CIA, FBI, I'd fire half of them. It's... The point being is I'm looking at the bigger picture. So why am I not getting interviewed? I'm going to give you an example. Today's FBI whistleblowers, and again, they're doing God's work. I have no problem with them. But today's FBI whistleblowers, they're saying the FBI is corrupt, and I am going to work with the Republicans. I am pro- mm-hmm. So I'm an FBI whistleblower. I'm pro-Republican, and the FBI is corrupt. I'm different. One, yes, the FBI is corrupt, but we got a bigger picture. It's called the globalist corporations and the globalist government. It's bigger. Yep. To include the Republicans. Number two, and you hear it all the time. Hi, we're Fox News, and we're going to tell you our yeah. country is going to shit because of the Democrats. Oh Hi, we're CNN, and we're going to tell you why because the Republicans. You see yes. it all the time. Yes. I'm not a good spokesman because Fox News would get me and say, hey, David. Heard you're a whistleblower. Heard you're FBI. Heard you're about to say that the FBI is corrupt and and, and it's the enemy of the uh, state and this and that. And I could say, well, you're right. I'm not going to argue with you. However, yeah. if you're really going to ask me who the real enemy is, it's your boss. Yeah. Fox News. It's your boss. Yes. It's the court. Well, no, David. Uh, go, go, go. We don't. Good want for you, you David. And- not to jump in all that smoke and mirrors of it all. Like, folks, it's it's quite simple. That everything, even like politics, it's it's all construct. Right. Like use your two eyes, use your two ears, use your intuition, do your research, look into things. And it isn't that far out. And uh, the whole idea of left and right and red and blue, 
it's been weaponized very effectively Absolutely. to pit us against each so, other to where we're not focused on what you're touching on right here. There's a third entity at play, and it's larger than all of that. I'm going to explain it to the American yes, people. I'm going to do it, it as, as, as simple as it is. I love this it. is another reason why I left the FBI, and it relates to now. It is the biggest by me living in China, I am telling you, I am the canary in the coal mine. <laughs> Let me go back to the FBI. When I graduated the FBI Academy, and again, I worked for counterintelligence, it took me less than one year on the job, and I realized that the FBI's priority was wrong. In 2004 to 2007, the number one enemy to America, to the FBI, was terrorism. Radical Islamic terrorism. Now, I'm not saying that's still not a threat, but I'm telling you, in the FBI, I knew immediately it was not the number one threat. Mm -hmm. The number one threat was China. And the reason China is, was the number one threat compared to, I'll explain it. You'll understand this story unravels. Just give me a second. Okay. China was developing to be a political, economic, military superpower. And I write this in my book. If you're if you're confused, just read my book. You'll understand it. Terrorism. Now, if you're a country like Israel, terrorism may be number one compared to China. Not for America. China. Now, why did the FBI listen to me? I brought it all the way up to, to the senior management. I said, our priorities are wrong. We got to go China's number one, terrorism number two. They didn't listen to me. I'm going to start showing you the canary in the coal mine, part one, and get ready for part two in China. They said, no. Hmm. They said, we're not, we're not going to follow your advice, David. Now, why wouldn't that? Sure, I'm, I'm a lowly agent, and, and they didn't care about me, whatever. But you have to follow the money. We are hmm. no longer a country in America. We are a corporation. Go back to 2004 to 2007, China versus Islamic radical terrorism. Terrorism, we had a full-blown kinetic war, two of them. It's called Afghanistan. It's called Iraq. China, at the time, we had a Cold War espionage war. Espionage war sounds sexy, but mm -hmm. if you compare the money when there's a war, because when, it, when you have a war, it's not just the war fighters, logistics, food, a, you know, Halliburton, Brown and Root, trillions of dollars so who does the government ultimately work for it works for the corporations mm -hmm. the military industrial complex yep. it's all about the money so they said listen where is the money is it terrorism or china it's terrorism it's a war i mean we had literally afghanistan iraq one of the we we wasted so much money on these ridiculous wars so you have to follow the money that's part one, though. So part one, I stand by it. China is a bigger threat than radical Islamic terrorism. They don't believe me. Why? Because it's all about the money. Mm. Now, fast forward to China. I know more about China than probably anyone in the United States government, particularly about security leadership. Mm. I say again, because it's a very powerful topic, and I'll do another video. Why? I, I'm fluent in May. I started studying Mandarin Chinese back in 1995. I could go into it. The, the American government, to the American people, the best and the brightest are not working in our government. I hope that's not a shock to anyone, but yeah. who made America great? It wasn't the government. It was the private sector. So the best and the, the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, these are knuckleheads. 
it was different back in the 1950s and 60s. I could talk about it, but it's another story. But these people don't get China. Now I am in China. If anyone thinks that they uh, wants to dig in, again, go to Rumble, episode two, where I work for the Boeing Corporation in China, episode three, where I work for Amazon in China. Mm. Just watch those two videos. So what's my point? We all saw The Wizard of Oz, or most of us saw Wizard of Oz, and you remember Dorothy. And Dorothy finally meets the wizard. And the wizard has all this smoke and stuff, but she goes behind the curtain, and she sees that the real wizard is just some old man pulling the strings. It's not really the wizard. It's just some old man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to China. Mm. Now, I make it known, China... Russia, the Taliban, Hamakwa, they're all threats. I wouldn't trust China, that's for sure. But China's not, not, not our number one enemy. Russia is not our number one enemy. I'm about to tell you why. This is the book. This is why I'm different than these other FBI whistleblowers. I, there's bigger fish to fry than the FBI. Mm. <laughs> Let's put it to you that way. The number one enemy that has been destroying America, and when you say, what is America? Faith family, freedom, faith. We are a Judeo-Christian country. Family, we are a European country. And three, freedom. Mm -hmm. Freedom is what made America the best country on earth. Right. They are destroying this. They are one, mm -hmm. the American globalist corporations and the American globalist government working in tangent with yep. each other. If you think China and Russia are as powerful. You got to remember, I started studying in China. Remember, I, I have master's degree in Chinese. I mean, go back to China during 1975. It was a, it was an agricultural, uh, agrarian uh, society. Mm. Who built up China? Who built this Frankenstein? We did. Well, maybe not me and you, the corporations, because we didn't get any money out of it. Right. But the American globalist corporations. So if China's so here's the here's the canary in the coal mine. I've lived in China now for over 10 years, and I see the same thing over and over. It's the same thing. American corporations, banks, law firms, private equity, they go to China because China is not like America. If you do business in China, you have to do it with the government. It's not wow. like America. I could go to America. I don't know. I open up a restaurant. I mean, maybe you've got to get some ordinances, some legal documents to the restaurant, but it's 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 a totally different world. If you go to China, you're doing it with the Chinese government. Hmm. So I'm going to give you an example. Gavin Newsom was in China recently, and the Republicans. Again, I think Republicans are scumbags. I probably like the Republicans more than I like the Democrats because Trump. You know, I like. I'm a nationalist. So anyone knows, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not. A, I am a nationalist, and that's why I believe Trump is so popular. Hmm. He's a nationalist. But here, so, but these Republicans are scumbags. Notice the Republicans, they're trying to make fun of Gavin Newsom in China because he's hugging and kissing and doing, Republicans do the same thing. Mm -hmm. The Republicans do the same thing to the Chinese government, just like our corporations. My point is this, if anyone's seen that news or like President Biden with Xi Jinping, all you've got to do is see how our politicians and our corporations act with China that's not how you act to an enemy. That's how you act with a business partner. Mm. News, ladies and gentlemen, right. China is not our number one enemy. It is our business partner. Mm. Maybe not to me or you, but to the government and to the corporations. Let me now welcome you into, into Russia. Now, 
I am not a Russian expert. I'm a China expert, but let's use common sense 101. Yeah. Notice that Russia has a worse reputation than China. It has a worse. Now, I do agree that after the COVID virus, the COVID now, the China reputation, but generally speaking, Russia's got, Russia's more like Russia, 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 enemy, right. enemy, enemy. Right. But China, not so much. Why? Where's it Ladies getting pushed from? I say again, we don't have a country. We have a corporation. Mm -hmm. Evidence number one, the economy. The economy of China is very big. Number two in the world, and it may overtake America. The economy of Russia. The economy of Russia is about the size of the state of Texas. Russia is not a very rich country. So not very rich, very rich. Evidence number two. Our corporations are making billions upon trillions of dollars from China. If our corporations are making money, that means our politicians are making money. Yeah. So China is not. Russia, though, is not only a small economy. Again, it's literally the size of Texas. Hmm. It's not only a small economy, but the services and the products that they provide, like like. Uh, like energy, we really don't make money off at our corporations. Hmm. If our corporations don't make money, our politicians don't make money. Now, because I've lived most of my time in Beijing, I've actually met a lot of Russians in Beijing. Would I describe the Russian government a, a very different than the Chinese government? I mean, they're both enemies, right? I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say China. I mean, they're both about the same. Why, though, has one opinion better than the other? Mm -hmm. It's all about the money. Yep. It's all about the money. Meaning, I wouldn't trust China, but I wouldn't trust Russia either. I mean, I put them both sort of in the same category. So the Russia's are, are China's stronger. You know, China's got, but either way, they're, they're both threats to be dealt with. But why is the sentiment different? Because one, our politicians make money, the other, not. So again, this is why I don't want to be labeled as some FBI whistleblower. There is bigger fish to fry. Right. And like I said, the reason why my FBI whistleblower was never taken seriously is because when I reported, there was nothing against that I witnessed that was targeting Republicans. Because mm -hmm. again, Democrats are a mafia. Republicans are a mafia. They will work to keep their but. If I, like, as I reported, if it's just regular U.S. citizens being spied upon, hmm. they could care less. And again, I'm not a good spokesman because, like I said, the real enemy is not necessarily the FBI. The real enemy is globalist corporations and this globalist government, which right. includes Republicans. Mm. So, James, I said a lot. I can unpack that in other ways, but I wanted to at least focus on the bigger picture I of love why that. we're going to civil war and collapse. Yeah, I mean, people are under a delusion nowadays in this country, especially that because because they have this kind of freedom. So but that's they have blinders on. Right. They're not they're not really seeing what's happening to you and so many. And is it really too far out for us to kind of just see things for what they are and connect the dots like America, how it was, you know, not too long ago, really what we were standing on and the threat we were essentially to these dictators you know and this so yeah new world yeah, my, order my, and yeah so it, it it just makes sense how they had to deconstruct and infiltrate all these institutions uh from our 
you know, from politics, our education systems. I mean, everything you even touched on, you know, men being so weak. I mean, there's you could look historically and it just raises the flag. Why are men's testosterone dropping, you know, at record numbers? So you could just start connecting the dots and it isn't that far out, folks. And you look at this man and what he's endured. And and, and I just have to ask you, like listeners, no matter where you're at, no matter what you do, what you're doing, do you truly feel safe? Do you truly feel free? Because fact, if we allow this to continue, no one is safe. And future isn't secured as you would want it, believe it is here in America. We, we must do our due diligence. How do we effectively articulate with every individual to flip that switch, turn on that light bulb to where you start educating yourself so we can show up because no individual david here can't shoulder the burden i can't neither can unmuzzled we'll be squashed but through unity through i mean we outnumber our government and this new world order and and some so if we could effectively unite do our due diligence and just take these little extra steps brother the it, it it must be done yeah, absolutely. I mean, to think that my very first video, and I can explain, first of all, I've never been on social media my whole mm. life. When I left the FBI in 2007, I wanted to leave that organization. There's three reasons I never went public. Now, if Senator Grassley would have called me, and he should have, I would have talked with him. But even if he asked me to testify, I don't think I would. And I did it for three reasons. One, nobody wants to hear a complainer. Nobody wants to hear a disgruntled former government employee. Right. Two, I don't think people would believe me back then. I think 2007, people would have thought the FBI is, you know, some some prestigious organization. And three, though, you don't want to mess with the FBI. They are vengeful. They're one of the most vengeful things. So I would say, and you always want to do this, it's, it's a good, good sign of counterintelligence because I, I'll open this up. And that is, you know, why am I here now? You know, wh what am I doing? Why did I do this? And this is why the American people, you don't even know the full story, and that is, if the FBI investigation would have stopped domestically, because there's more to this story, guess what I would have done? I would have never went public. I would have never owned a book. And I would have never been in. So all I would have done is never travel back to America the rest of my life. Hmm. And that's it. The problem is the investigation went overseas. They went overseas and they destroyed my career. I go into this. And that was when I knew I had to do something. I'm just telling the American people, you don't know how tyrannical this government is. And what I say, and this is, like I said, this is, I've been predicting this. I predicted America is going to go to civil war and collapse in 2005. In 2010, mm. I left America. It's a big deal. I mean, to physically leave America, oh my gosh. I wanted to come back on visits. But if you think this situation is going to get better, no way. It is going to get worse before it gets better. I just don't think Americans realize it. And the problem is, is, yeah. I mean, to the American people, you've got to understand leadership 101. Most people in this world are sheep. It just mm. is. You might be a sheep I'm talking, but I'm telling right. you, even when Donald Trump ran for president, I could not imagine how many military veterans, these are West Pointers, who thought Donald Trump's a racist, Donald wow. Trump's a— Drank uh, the Kool-Aid. Like, 
we, we, we you know, from the COVID to, mm. again, that's also why people didn't uh, take me seriously about my whistleblower, because the war on terror, remember 2004, 2007, terrorism, David, terrorism, we're scared, spy, you know, we, you have to understand the biggest emotion when it comes from intelligence or leadership is fear, mm-hmm. fear, I mean, hell, it was only, what, a couple of years ago, we had the COVID, look at, look at Israel, 9-11, now we're scared of terrorism again, and, and it just, this fear. And until you're able to rationally look at fear and to negotiate fear, you're probably going to be sheep again. It's going to work. And like I said, my view, and we could go into it, but America, I've said this before. I believe Donald Trump is the best president in my entire lifetime. I yes. critique him here and there, but I can't I can't give a guy better compliment than that. However, to the American people, right. he was already president once. He was president for four years. It's getting worse. I hope he gets reelected. I hope everyone supports him. Yes. But if and when and hopefully he gets reelected, if you think Donald Trump is going to save his system. No one's coming in on a white horse. No one. (laughs) Every one of us must do our due diligence. And we should be excited, excited to do that. It's just the world we live in. Like, it shouldn't be this sheeple and doom and gloom. Let's all do our part and be excited and ensure a better tomorrow. We we have more power See, than you we we all independently realize. So part of the part of the advantage I have now, I mean, for, for all I know, I'm probably never going to go back to America. even the book that I wrote. That's unauthorized. You know, if you write a book, uh, if you're in the intelligence community, you have to get authorization, right. CIA, FBI, DIA. I never got authorization from the FBI to write that book. Why? Well, they're ignoring me. And and I've reached out. There's other stores where I, I formally reached out to them. But anyway, now that I'm overseas, I'm able to say stuff mm. that I can't say in America. Because if I said, and I'm telling you, Americans, people, we have to use leadership. And leadership is you have to look at all your options. Yes. Look at all your, even even America, the nuclear option is always an option. We're not recommending it, but it's an option. Well, guess what? At West Point, uh, it's a beautiful statue. I say this all the time. I remember this vividly. It's right in front of the mess hall. Even though you've never been to West Point, you might have even seen this picture. It's a very um, symbolic picture of West Point. It's right in front of the mess hall. It is a statue of General or President George Washington. It's Mm. on his horseback. And he's, it's yeah. this majestic statue. And as a West Point cadet, you walk by this statue probably every day, you know, going to class, going to the mess hall every day. You walk, And it's a it's a really um, awe-inspiring statue to the American people. Make no doubt about it. But our heroic revolutionary forefathers, for instance, yes. President George Washington, if they would have lost the war, they would have been hung as traitors. They would have been dishonored for the rest of their lives. They would have been killed. And everything that they've done would have been erased from the history books and what because they won, they are our heroes. So I'm talking about options, and now people can know what I'm about to say because I'm overseas. And this is part of the reason why the FBI is investigating me, even though these were private conversations. And Mm. here's the point, and that is this. I'm sure... During that time period before the Revolutionary War, our forefathers were also having these types of conversations. Back then, they had what's called the Loyalists and the Patriots. The Loyalists are those that were loyal to the crown, Mm -hmm. the King of England. 
And then you had the Patriots, who we are the sons of the Patriots, the Americans. And there were a lot of back and forth, back and forth. How do we do it? And just like our government today says, whatever you do, just don't be violent. And it better be legal. You know, we all, even though we love to export it, you know, we're, we always like to start wars. You know, every war, it's just mm. like we look at Russia for invading a sovereign country. Well, we invade sovereign countries too in America. But anyway, I think people get the point that our government said, nonviolent, nonviolent, legal, legal, legal. Well, our country was formed through the violence of a revolution, through illegal activity. That's mm. just the facts. And during this argument, our forefathers, as they were determining what should they do, they said, you know something? I think I got an idea, and it's called lock and load. Mm. And I'm telling the American people, it's going to come down to that. Wow. It's going to, because I was in Hong Kong. I was working for Amazon at the time. I don't know if everyone remembers, it was 2019. It was the yellow umbrella, I guess you say revolution in Hong Kong. That's when it was big, it was all in the news. And our government, and it was violent, there were violent acts, and our government looked upon those Hong Kong protesters as freedom fighters. They were like, look at those freedom fighters. But what happened when we did it in January 6th? We were considered terrorists. Right. And so I'm saying be very careful because this government always likes to say nonviolent, legal, but what will they do to you? Just like they did to me, they did illegal, immoral, unconstitutional activities right. to me and destroyed it. But if you ask me, a military veteran, and my family immigrated to America back in 1850. I've been in war, my family from the Civil War on, on, on now to present. The number one entity that has destroyed my life, it's not been China, it's not been Russia, it's not been Hamas, it's been the United States government. Right. Also watch episode two of Boeing. It's ridiculous how wow. that government destroyed me. The number one, and I'm sure the January 6th people that are rotting in jail, I don't think they're worried about China and Russia. Right. I think they realize that the number one threat. So I'm telling the American people, I'm not advocating violence, but I'm saying if you're going to learn leadership, you keep all options on the table. And that's why I say you better buy your guns and ammo and be prepared. Just like me, I'm a, I'm a former uh, Eagle Scout from Boy Scouts. What's oh, the there motto we go. Of Boy Scouts? <laughs> Be, be prepared. prepared. Yes, sir. Be prepared. Holy Guns smokes. And That's what I'm thinking it's going to go to. Well, way to drop some truth bombs for folks. And <laughs> guys, don't walk in fear. Are you kidding me? There's 360 Bible verses to direct you not to walk in fear. One for each day of the year, right? The, the only thing we should technically fear in the healthy sense is God himself. Are we doing our part? Are we fulfilling our purpose and leaving, living a meaningful life? Are we, in fact, like the Boy Scouts, leaving things better off than we walked into, whether it be a campsite, whether it be just our civilization, right? So, my goodness. Um, also, I say, I say, number one, I keep saying faith, family, freedom, yes. faith, Judeo. Don't fool yourself. People, the government, sometimes they want to fool you and say stuff like China is trying to make America atheist. People don't get China. I'm telling you in America, liberalism, atheism, feminism, multi that's yes. from the corporations. Mm. That's not from Russia. That's not from China. 
That's not from Hamas. I don't think Islam is into a lot of this stuff. Where is all this liberal sort of, mm. it comes from the corporations. The corporations are atheists. They are globalists mm -hmm. and all they care about is money. Yep. We, our culture, where do we get our culture in America? Hollywood, uh, you know, the corporate. We, we, our culture is being corporatized more mm -hmm. and more and more. All you've got to do is study a, an American multinational globalist corporation, their HR department, and their right. HR is basically their culture, and they love multiculturalism, open borders, and feminism. This is not stuff coming from the non-Western world. Right. It's coming from the corporations, and the corporations, they don't like religion. They don't like religion at all. They don't like Christianity. They don't like Judaism. It's not coming from non-Western countries. It's coming from these corporations. I think, I mean, just one alone, when you have BlackRock that controls $10 trillion in assets, yep. I don't think people understand how much money that is. That's like countries combined. It's sort of like absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. When you have that much money, I'll probably be corrupted. It's just, right. it's too much. It's and not so even about I, money to those people anymore. And it's so clear. They, oh, my gosh. Evil. It's just a battle. I, good versus evil. I mean, and you're saying that, yeah, the majority of these are legitimate atheists. I, not even. I think they even go a step further. They're, they're literally involved in the satanic side of things. Right. In this life. And yeah. Here's my point. Yeah. Go ahead. So go ahead. Go ahead, James. Um. I just I just pray people start connecting the dots for themselves because a lot of these topics you could talk to you blue in the face and but it's until people start doing their due diligence and not taking mine or your word for it like yeah. that in fact is and there's only one side evil will never tell unless they get a firm grasp on the level of censorship and ensure there's you know they got full tyrannical control over our mouths and the information then only then they will say oh go do your own research they will never right so with that uh, go ahead so, what i would say is obviously uh, you know actions speak louder than words that's why there, there's a leadership phrase called lead follow or get out of the way when i left america that's basically get out of the way mm. so you know there's many things you could do but people are already moving like i would say and I'm not advocating leaving America, but if you're in America, oh, I advocate get to a red state, 100%. I advocate yeah. get to a place of like-minded people. Right. You are going to need to have a tribe, whether that's the rural America, red state, but it is going to get dangerous in America. You are going to see it. So if you want to stay in America, you should really think about, unless you're already there, relocating to a state, a city, uh, you know, part of a rural country where there are like-minded patriots for your survival. Very important. Right. What I would say, and this is leadership 101, and that is this, what mobilizes people? Look at me, for example. What Because there's going to be a lot of people watch this video, and they're going to say, wow, that's pretty interesting. Um, wow, that's something. Then they turn off the, the television or whatever, and mm -hmm. they're like, sweetheart, how's the turkey in the oven? Turkey in the oven. And they're fat, dumb, and happy. Mm. And so, you know, there was a class I did at Harvard. It was like mobilizing people. And it really comes down to this. At the political level, we call it security and economics. However, at the individual level, what is it? 
freedom and money. And so the point is, look at me, when your freedom is taken away, look at the January Sixers that are mm -hmm. rotting in prison, or your money is taken away, like now you're fired because we don't like your attitude, wow. that mobilizes people. So what yep. I'm telling you, a lot of people, because I know this, when I left in 2010 and I told my West Point classmates, you know, Civil War, they're like, this guy's crazy. But now, guess what? Mm. They've changed. Why? Because the situation in America, economics and security have changed. Mm -hmm. You are going to see that America, it's the Roman Empire. It's the Roman Empire in decline. This is America. Mm. And how did the Rome, Roman Empire fall? Fell? Well, it fell from within. That's what I'm saying. All these, all these threats from outside, it's all hubris to keep the corporations more money, right? Mm. Saddam Hussein, uh, the Taliban. China, it's the same thing. We're going to fall from within. Hmm. That's number one. Two, we're going to fall economically. Because this U.S. dollar, if you think this U.S. dollar is going to remain as the world's reserve currency, no way. So right. the point being is what I'm trying to say is when more and more American citizens, their freedom, security at the political level, or their money, the economics of America, when that gets degraded more and more and more, they're going to mobilize. Look at me. You get mobilized. If the FBI would have left me alone overseas, I had a good career. Fine. I'll just never go back to America because a lot mm. of people, they're not looking for a fight. But right. their situation gets destroyed, gets destroyed. Look at our family. It's come fathers. to our doorsteps. We don't have a choice. <laughs> it's, exactly. it's at our doorsteps. Pushed in the corner. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, to the American public, my hatred for this government, I blow them up. I'll tell you, I would, I, I, in my situation, if you've walked in my shoes, lock and load, I'm ready for a civil war because mm. I could tell you something, however hubris this is, it's going to happen. You're going to, if you as an American citizen think, because you have no clue of these corporations, mm -hmm. if you think America is going to change through the voting system or this politician, again, you got to go back. People say America is the best country on earth. Not going to argue with them. Mm. How did it get formed? through violence and revolution, mm. we have to face the fact that is where we came in existence. Mm. And we already had one civil war. It's not like America, it's been a smooth ride. I mean, we, we had a major civil war already. That could have deterred us. You know, we had World War II. That could have deterred us. So this is not, you know, just to think, this is also the difference between China. China's an old civilization, thousands and thousands upon years. America, before we say this is the best system, because this is what this is my guesswork. I'm not a historian, but I truly believe, again, our American forefathers, heroes, unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And yes. I truly believe they created the best country on earth. However, yeah, if you go back to the revolutionary time period, these men, as smart as they can be or were, they couldn't predict every everything. So we've got to go back to 1776. The biggest threat that our American forefathers had was this guy called the King of England. You could say government. And they said, we've got to create a new government so this same tyranny doesn't happen. Right. So we're going to do these checks and balances called the judicial, executive, legislative. And they were ahead of their time. Yep. However, they just didn't have the foresight to predict that there is another entity that's even stronger than the government. It's called the corporations. Mm. And I'm telling you, we it doesn't matter. That's what mm. people don't. It doesn't matter 
who the judicial branch is, the executive, the legislative, they all work for this corporations. And back then, during the days of the King of England, it really wasn't it had that much power. The government, you know, it took it took uh, decades and decades for the corporations to get more and more money, more and more influence. You know, this sort of corporate capitalism. Mm. Now they run us. You know, yeah. I, when I was at Harvard, so anyone knows, but mm. politicians in America, the number one alumni. Of, of a school is the Harvard Kennedy School. And this is not just uh, congressmen, you know, state senators, you know, politicians. Like, if you look at all the politicians in America, the number one school that they graduated is the Harvard Kennedy School. So obviously the Harvard Kennedy School knows a lot about politics. Well, I took a class on politics, even in fact, I was thinking about running for congressman. Mm. So during the class, the professor this is at Harvard says, okay, what do you think it takes to become a politician? What it what needs? And people are like, well, you got to be smart. You got to be good at public speaking. You got to be a good looking guy. Some people are like, well, you got to be tall. Remember the president, everyone's yeah. a tall guy. And the, pre and the professor's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, number one, how much money can you raise? And so the point being is, is if you're going to get into politics, you need money. Right. And unless you're yeah. rich, like Donald Trump, which is good. Donald Trump being a billionaire is not a negative. It's a positive. Right. Because if you're a regular guy like me, well, I need money. <laughs> and guess what? The corporations, they don't just give money for free. They yep. give money with strings attached. Right. And guess what? We work for the corporate. And that's where our founding forefathers, I truly think they didn't have that foresight mm. of this new entity, this corporate, this Makes corporation, sense. these banking. But if you that's why people say the yeah. CIA and the FBI run the world. No, they don't. The CIA and the FBI that's a are tool a bunch of for the corporations. Henchmen. Yeah. They are henchmen. I. They are yeah. little. You've seen the movies with these dumb henchmen. Yeah. That's the CIA and the FBI. Mm. They are the henchmen of these globe these globalist corporations they will buy and sell you out right. i mean I, it, it just that's what i'm saying i don't think we are ever going to defeat them mm. through a political and and my prediction on trump is this very simple i'm surprised trump is still standing right this is this is my point first of all mm. i'm curious if we're going to get through the next election and that right there you know i'm 48 years old I never remember growing up, most of the time, uh, politics was boring. You know, he's a Democrat, I'm a Republican, whatever. We, we, we'll debate a little bit. No one cares, right? Notice how it's changed now? Right. Now it's like, boom. So that's number one. Politics was never at this level. Number mm. two, never, ever did I ever question if an election would go through. Never. Mm. Every election go through. So just the thought that me and other Americans are just questioning, yeah. will we get through in the next election? That should be a big ding, ding, ding. What's happening to America? Right. Because I'm telling you, you haven't seen anything yet. We are going. That's my book. That's what I'm saying. It's not focused on the FBI. We are going to civil war and we're going to collapse. And sooner or later, just like people that were brainwashed with the COVID, brainwashed with the war on terror, brainwashed with China. They're going to realize that, oh, my God, it's happening right here internally, domestically. Yep. This is the danger. And all these people that back law enforcement and back the military, don't fool yourself. One time those guns are going to be pointed on you. We're having trouble filling military ranks, so we're allowing more and more foreigners into the military. Mm. Oh, yeah. 
they'll be a lot easier to follow orders to shoot American citizens. Mm. I, I'm telling again, there's so many scenarios, but to the American citizens, it's going to get worse. So we wanted this. We wanted multiculturalism. We wanted liberalism. We wanted feminism. This is all the corporations, by the way. We wanted this. Well, this is karma. It's coming. It's not the system is not going to last. Any listener to hear this man and how he's connecting these dots and making it so clear. Can we step out of ourselves? I, I see as Americans how self-serving we've become, how selfish we've become, how much we've fought for that american dream in the house with the white picket fence like we need to set that down we need to show up and to ensure all that is still potential uh you know we could achieve that tomorrow type of thing wow david you know a lot my man I appreciate again. You. It's experience. No, it, it, yeah. it's experience. And I, I, I would end with this and I'm very controversial. And, um, and you could go to my episodes in, in rumble to find out about Absolutely. my personal racial background. Yes. But one of the things I got to talk about before we end, and yes. it is the Achilles heel, because I'm telling you, China, Russia, and these other foreign threats, they know Americans Achilles heel and they use it upon us. Mm. And in my, and I tell you again, China, living in China, it was like, I'm telling you, it was like the Wizard of Oz. And here it goes like this. You know as well as I do, in America, we could go hard on China, hard on Russia, hard on the Taliban. But if the topic of racism comes up, we get nervous. We get really nervous with racism. And mm. In fact, if you're called a racist, you could lose your job. Mm. You could be censored. You could be canceled. We, we this topic of right. racism we right. get really so i'm yep. about to really red pill the audience because i was red pilled mm. now number one is unlike 99 percent of white european american men i know what it's like to live as a racial minority it's called china in china it's less than one percent mm. i've lived as a racial minority in china i know what it's like number one and this is not just China. This is almost the non-Western world. Hmm. I can never become a citizen in China, ever, hmm. never. I can, it doesn't matter if I married a Chinese woman, if hmm. I was born in China. I am not of the Chinese ethnicity. I cannot become. However, if an American Chinese, if a, if a Chinese Australian, if a Chinese Canadian, they could come to China. They'll have to give up their American citizenship, but they could become Chinese. It's the same thing with Japanese. When's the last time you saw a Japanese citizen that was not of the Japanese race? Mm. Never. I mean, it's the same thing. Go to Saudi Arabia. So mm. if you go to the non-Western world, they're called what's called ethno-nationalism. What I'm trying to tell the American people, we mm. have to start asking ourselves. We have immigrants coming to our country, like the Chinese, but it's mm -hmm. just one example. We all hear these great leadership phrases like make America great again. Mm. Great phrase. I think we should also say make American men strong again. You know, these phrases right. are very good leadership. Yeah. Here's another great leadership phrase. If we cannot become a citizen in your country, mm. why should we allow you to become a citizen in our country? Wow. And it's Sit on all that. All the time. Wow. Yeah. Right. Because like I said, I'm in China and I am. That's not my dream. I'm fine not becoming a child. But the point remains, though, 
I am not allowed. Why? Because of my race. Right. Because I'm not of the Chinese race. It's the same thing. Go to India. Go to mm. all these non-Western countries. Now, if it's a person from a Western country, we'll say like Britain. If a guy from Britain comes here, we as Americans, we can go to the UK and we can become a British citizen. Uh, it takes, I don't know, five years or six years. You know, it'll take a while. But we can become a British citizen, hmm. a Canadian citizen, an Australian citizen. So that's why Western countries, it's different, you could hmm. say. It's quid pro quo. Hmm. But if you take a look at these non-Western countries, hmm. like China, for example, hmm. you can never become a citizen. So we have to, if we're going to get our country back, mm -hmm. we've got to start asking ourselves, what is patriotism mm -hmm. if we don't control who can become a citizen and who cannot? Because mm -hmm. if we hand out American citizens like they're Cracker Jack boxes, right. hey, everyone gets them, we lose our country. Yeah. We lose our country. And I say again, if we cannot become a citizen in their country, why are we allowing them to become a citizen in our country? Even if you wanted to allow them to come to this country mm -hmm. and become what's called a permanent resident, maybe they could add value, maybe right. they're really smart, but why do we need to give them a citizenship? Give them a permanent resident, right. let them work here, but no citizenship, they cannot vote. They cannot work in the government. It protects us more. Wow. And Americans are not even open and go down that rabbit hole, so to speak, but there's so much demonization here in this country as being the racists as you know and it's just a division tactic it's all smoke and mirrors but it's just a so, uh, another layer on top of it all yep. my experience living abroad in non-western countries i am adamant america when it comes to the treatment of women racial minorities and immigrants best of the best there could be a little competition with another Western country like Canada or Germany, you know, stuff like that. But compared to non-Western countries, you wow. know, India, China, it's not even close. It's wow. not even close. That's what I'm saying. That was my red pill. We are not a racist country. So, for instance, when I look at the police, I don't have high regard. I believe in defunding the police. Not everything. It's about, I read it in my book. I actually don't view the police, though, as racist. Why? Because I'm telling you, America is the least racist country. I view them as tyrannical. Mm. So if I saw some police coming after me, I would never say, oh, my God, police are coming. Oh, don't worry. They're white guys. I'm I'm fine. No way. I can't. He's, they're white. I don't care if it's a black police officer or a black guy. or what. It's tyrannical. That's mm. the problem. We have gotten tyrannical. Mm. But my red pill is you can complain all you want in America. Same thing with women. They complain that America is the patriarchy. You go to one, it's the matriarchy. Mm. Believe it or not, you'll find out nobody treats women better than the West. Racial minorities, immigrants. And these topics, they know, particularly white American men, they're nervous to talk about. They're very nervous because, like I said, you know, you can get in trouble with this. You know, if you're labeled as uh, as a racist, as uh, misogynistic. And but if but if you're, you know, if you want to go hard on China or Russia or the Taliban. No one's going to care. So we. Right. So I'm saying to the to the American patriots, sooner or later, we're going to have to talk about these subjects. Yes. And and not be afraid. Wow. Well, challenge for us here on Unmuzzled, because that's that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, I just. Hey, look yeah. at me. I 
I'm a proud Jew. Don't fool yourself. Israel is a Jewish state. Mm. <laughs> it's a state for, and I agree with that. That's what I'm saying. I am not angry at the Chinese government for not making me a citizen. It's, and they right. say it. This is our country. This country is for the Chinese. Right. David, you're not Chinese. Mm. Can't argue with it. I agree with Israel. Israel is a state for the Jewish people. But you can't say that about America, Germany, France. You know, you can't say that about these other Western countries. And it's wrong. We need to start asking ourselves, who are we? And I say again, right. faith. We are a Judeo-Christian country, family. We are European. That's our roots. America right. is a European country. And then freedom, especially freedom of speech. I mean, look, look at this. I was censored on YouTube. Yeah. I don't think the Chinese government censored me on YouTube. No. I don't think it was the Russians. No. I don't think it was Hamas. Yep. It was our own government and these corporations. They're taking away our freedoms. Absolutely. Well, David, you've given some great calls to action already and tools for folks to think about. Obviously, uh, wow, I recommend people go and check out. Uh, and we'll put the links. So uh, listeners, be sure to check in the comments. Episode this two, three, I mean... You could send all the links, David. That would be awesome. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, James. Thank yeah. you. And then to the, your book as well. And gotcha. a, a description there would be fantastic. Now, what other calls to action? Other, Even the obvious ones. What what, what do you suppose? You, sure. you touch on guns so, and ammo, but but to help so, help fight back. I, so I'm going to I'm going to do one thing. I'm doing it hardcore because I'm in a certain situation, but I would advise Americans to start doing this softcore and I'll explain it. Hardcore is I don't pay any more US taxes. Yes. Of course I'm overseas, but if I am not welcome back in my country, then my tax money's not welcome back. Right. I don't pay any tax money. So people can understand I'm in a I'm in a very radical position. What they've done to me destroyed my life. Mm. But I'm just saying we cannot keep paying into the system that's destroying us. So what 100%. I would tell American citizens is now, if you don't pay taxes, even though it's a nonviolent form of protest, it's illegal. And trust me, the FBI, IRS, they'll have guns at your door. They'll bring violence. So there's ways to do it, but try not to reduce your taxes, make right. nonprofit organizations. There's a lot of legal entities. But one of the ways, look at this, look at our Revolutionary War. No yep. taxation without representation. Right. Tax money was an issue. Yep. So why are we giving our tax money to this country that doesn't care about it? So think to yourself, how can you avoid or at the very least reduce paying your tax money to this system? I can't and wait to do my own is, homework and ha and or have someone on that's already educated in the what freedomlawschool.org has been advertising. Because they've literally, I guess, been educating 99% uh, of Americans uh lawfully are like voluntarily filing their taxes when legally they're not obligated to so they they have a lot of bold statements that they're talking about and wow how beneficial it could be for all of us individually on a financial uh level to at least look into that and uh build up that knowledge 100 percent. yeah yeah one of the things looking at and then two is this is what we're going to need to do, and we didn't do this before when I grew up. Again, America wasn't as divided before. Yeah. Well, we wanted multicultural. This is what we have. To the American people, we are going to civil war. So what do you do? Leadership number one, you build the tribe. As an officer, you build the group. 
This is the time, you know, whether on social media or stuff, but this is the time you need to start asking yourself or physically moving to another state or city. Hmm. But you need to start discriminating against people that are on your team and people that are not. Hmm. I'm going to give you an example. We would never do this when I was a child. Now I would do this. There's someone who has a store, you know, store A, store B, hmm. same product. Store A is someone aligned with our political purpose. Right, right. I'm going to give my money and shop at his store. Even if it's store a mile B, or 10 miles further, you're going to I the one that's— I would do this growing up. Yes. No one would, no one would care. It's now, so important. I'm telling you people, yep. it's going to get— You need to start building the tribe, yep. and you need to politely— and you can do it surreptitiously. You don't need to tell them, but maybe cut friendship. Say, I'm not talking to that person anymore. Because I'm telling you, when dangerous time comes, one of the most valuable assets that you're going to have is a team, mm. a group of like-minded people. You need to start building this now. You need to start cultivating who can you trust, who can you depend upon. Again, this never would be – this would be ridiculous to talk about 30, 40, 50 years ago. Mm. I'm telling you, you better start doing it now. Mm. So that's one thing to do. And you'll find them, whether it be on social media. You'll, you'll see how people are, and you need to start saying, these are going to be my friends. Yeah. These are not going to be my friends because I'm telling you – if it goes to civil war or something like that, you want to have people you could trust and depend upon. Right. It's not like we need to ooh, cut people off and not associate with individuals still out of love. hundred ten percent. Are you kidding me? Like, uh, but I love the idea of getting organized. I mean, that's only going to help us with our calls to action, showing up to vote. Uh, just, just, yeah. Sourcing a and B acknowledging which store is i'm going to give you an example yes so i work for amazon we mm. all know amazon doesn't like unions these corporations they don't like unions just like corporations don't like unions the government doesn't like militias mm. so what's right. my point i'm not necessarily talking about a union i'm not necessarily talking about militia even though i think it's a good idea what i'm talking about is organized people what's another great organization church Church, mm -hmm. you're going to see it in the military when soldiers go to battle, they're, you know, in combat, church attendance goes up mm. when they come back from deployment and they're back in garrison, church attendance goes down. The point being is, is, you know, times of danger, you start thinking about God, death. I'm telling you, American people find God. Yes. And when you find God, those yes. people that. You could call it a union, you could call it a militia, whatever you want to call it, but it's an organized, intimate, trusted group of people you could trust wow. and depend upon. It could be found at church, too. That is a powerful tool right there. Wow. Well said, too. I, the way you put that together shows hmm, that a level of urgency you know, right there. Yeah, like I said, it's different because I've seen as most people my age or older – this wasn't like this growing up. I mean, mm. politics was boring. Sometimes you didn't even remember who you voted for. We all know they're, they're kind of the same. That's why Trump was the only guy that was really different, that, that right. sort of stood out. Yeah. But we are starting to see this in America. This system is starting to rattle. Mm. It's starting to shake. Mm -hmm. And people are starting to realize, oh, my God, well, what do I got to do? 
That's why. But before in America, you know, 23rd, that's why I think if Trump would have ran for president in the 90s or the 80s, I don't think he would have won. Don't think he would have won. Because now people are realizing this system is not working. It's It's not working. It's getting worse. Mm -hmm. And Trump was a little bit, you know, you could say a bit of a radical, a bit of a, you know, the stuff that he said. When you're pissed off, when you're already, you know, lose trust in the system, you're willing to tolerate people. And I've said, if you think Trump is sort of (sighs) radical, you haven't seen anything yet. You have not seen anything yet. What's going to happen to America? Wow. Well, it's my gosh. And, and what what has been talked about? What words have been used that could potentially get this very conversation demonized and and not allowed out there? Like that shows how dangerous this uh, tyrannical everything has become with all these platforms. I mean, just like the store, we should be challenging ourselves and weighing out those options on these social medias because they're really. Those ones that have made plays on free speech, the ones that have censored and uh, throttled and banned individuals for even saying factual information, even if it was fictional, we reserve that right, you know, 110 percent. Like, it's so dangerous. And this message goes out to active duty and former military veterans. Mm. If we cannot even have the basic freedom of speech in mm-hmm. America, mm-hmm. then what are we fighting for overseas? Who are we killing overseas? That if we cannot, wow. because our freedom obviously is being taken away by our own government, these own corporations. I, I'm telling you, I've changed my entire mind on the military. I, I do not advocate anymore going over and killing people in foreign countries when we can't even get these basic freedoms in our own country that are being taken away by our own government, these own corporations. I'm not going out in foreign wars. And we've got, so to the military veterans, active duty, retired, we got ourselves, if we cannot even have freedom of speech in America, then what are we advocating these foreign wars for? Guys, we, we must have that shift yesterday, today, now. Now, let's have that shift. Let's let's uh, grow a backbone. Have some courage. God will give you this, too. He will pave the way. He will give you strength and healing and uh, m- more things than I can even humanly articulate. So I'd say just to start there, all is well. Fear not. Let's just do what we can. Let's show up. David, my gosh, you have been so gracious with your time today what what could listeners do i want you to be selfish for a minute i know we're gonna plug some things but like what's gonna help you a former fbi military vet that's not even welcome or feels welcome and you feel threatened like clearly not being in america anymore that 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 just boils my blood that is unacceptable and that's where listeners you really feel i love the meme when trump ran in the beginning it was no secret that Hey, folks, they're not after me. They're not after Donald Trump. They're after Absolutely. you. He, they just got to go uh, through him. And, and, that, and, and even if you're left, even if you're Democrat, are you kidding me? Once they're done with the other side, I mean, you feel safe. They don't care about you. They've said it. Klaus Schwab, the leader of the World Economic Forum, that you're a bunch of useless eaters that you own nothing and be happy. Okay? Uh, absolutely. I- to, to the viewers, don't even fool yourself with my demeanor right now. My anger is so high. Right. I would love to do hand-to-hand combat to the death 
with these FBI, these politicians. Wow. I mean, if they destroyed your life, what would you do? I mean, there's people who turn the other cheek and God bless them. But mm. the anger that I have, man, I'll tell you, I would do violence right now. My would say is this, and even my voice, I was censored on YouTube. Again, a military vet censored on YouTube on the very first video. I would say what's happening to me is already the FBI is spying on millions and millions of innocent right. American citizens. I write about this in the pod. They're doing it all to you. Mm. But I would say is build our voice. This is the first time I've ever gone on social media in my life. I am on Twitter. All you got to do is just Google my name, David Baumblatt. Okay. Rumble and Twitter. And that's the bet. Well, we have to build our voice. That's the only way we could do it. But I could say my fight, oh, uh, my fight is part of uh, American's fight. If you value faith, family, freedom, then this is our fight. Wow. Well, David, once again, thank you so much. I'm going to kick off a soundtrack here. Hang on. I'm going to end the recording. I got a few things I'd like to say to you personally. But folks, today's the day. Let's flip that switch. Let's get excited. We can do this. We can support this man. We can unite. We can build our teams. What other choice? What, what more important things to focus on in this life? Let's ensure a better tomorrow. I sure hope it doesn't boil down to another civil war. We don't know. It may have to. We don't know. But it's important that we do our part to potentially avoid that. I mean, my gosh, I just can't wait to talk to this man a little further. So with that being said, thank you for listening. Bless you. Have a wonderful week.